everybody. Welcome to Here's Asylum Movie Reviews as we continue the months of March. Drinking month, it's March, yay, the eyes of March and all that good stuff for everyone and everyone in between. I'm doing this one solo, Mike is not here, so let's just get to it. We're doing The Hangover. Uh, sorry, right here. Okay. So yeah, uh, we're doing The Hangover. This was released in May 30th, 2009. We're doing another Todd Phillips film. Um, if you're listening to this right now, we're going to do another Todd Phillips film probably next week. And that'll be old school. That'll be fun. That'll be a watch and all. So um, check that out for future stuff. Um, what do we have here? So anyway, it's directed by Todd Phillips. And dude, listen to this cast they have here. Bradley Cooper, who has not hit his zenith yet. Ed Helms, he of the office fame. Zach Gaffigan-Akis. 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 God bless me. Yeah. So uh, he's in this one as well. Justin Bertha. I think he's from National Treasure. Heather Graham. She's been there. Uh, Sasha Bernice. Now, she is the um, the bride-to-be in this film. You'll see her a couple times. And I think she's a professional poker player. She's been around the scene. So, uh, yeah, Jeffrey Tamborn, well-known King Jong. Rachel Harris is in this film. And if you guys are big Lucifer fans, Rachel Harris is the therapist in this film. She is the bitchy wife of Ed Helms. So, good stuff in this one. And, of course, Mike Tyson. This film had a $35 million budget. And it brought home $469 worldwide at the box office. Hence, the two sequels that came afterwards, um, which were not as good. Um Second one was okay, kind of almost almost a rehash of the first one, and the third one I thought that's when they kind of should hit the fan. Not as great, but I'm I'm not here to talk about those two films. I'm here to talk about this one. So let's get to it. So anyway, two days before his wedding, Doug Billings, a cheerful yet careful bachelor, travels to Las Vegas with his best friends. Phil Wenrick, a sarcastic elementary school teacher, Stu Prince the aforementioned Ed Helms, an apprehensive dentist. He also brings Alan Garner, his future brother-in-law, which is Zach Gaffinekis. Gaffinekis, sorry. Watching Between Two Ferns. Brother-in-law who's immature and eccentric. Said the father of his fiance Tracy, allows Doug to drive his vintage Mercedes-Benz. Uh, WW33, I'm not sure what that means. For any car aficionados out there, let me know. But this is W111, so let me know. To Vegas from Los Angeles. They get a suite at Caesars Palace and celebrate sneaking onto the hotel roof and taking shots of Jägermeister. The aforementioned Wolfpack was created, I believe, by Todd Phillips. Actually, it was Will Ferrell... I believe it was Luke Wilson and Vince Vaughn who dubbed themselves the Wolfpack. And I think Todd used that. He brought that back into this film where they nicknamed the, I believe, the Triumphant as the Wolfpack themselves. And they're doing Jägermeister and um, they're doing shots in the roof. And we don't know what happened. Or do we? Yeah, stuff happens. Sorry. Getting stuff over down here. Just trying to get myself combobulated here. If you hear me pausing in between, they're working on my house. I don't know why, but. So I do apologize. 
Anyway, they get a suite at Caesar's Palace and celebrate sneaking onto the hotel. I just said that. The next morning, Phil still now awakened to find they have no memory of the night before. What a great scene, by the way. You know, as the camera is panning in when they finish the Jägermeister and then it goes back out in the morning and they all wake up in this hotel room. They have no idea. It's very memento-esque almost how they have to piece together the night before what had happened. And that's exactly what they do here. So the next morning, Phil still now awakened to find they have no memory of the previous night. And Doug is nowhere to be found. So. Stu's tooth is missing. The suite is a disaster. A Bengal tiger is in the bathroom and a baby's in the closet. Now, just right then and there, I think they showed those things in the trailers a couple times. And the big thing was Stu, why was he missing a tooth? There's a Bengal. The room is a disaster and like just insanity ensues. Kind of I've envisioned if I ever had my bachelor party, it'd be something like that. But if I did, I'd be very old and it'd be something like, uh, what was that movie? That they, I think it was called, what was it Old Guys? It was, um, oh man, because I think of this movie and it was another one about like the, it was uh, Morgan Freeman, Michael Douglas. Ooh, I got I to look it up. But they went to Vegas and they were older gentlemen senior gentlemen and they went out party. They didn't have like the, the exact same thing almost like the hangover did, but it was a little bit along those lines. Anyway, back to the film. They see Doug's mattress hasn't been pale on a statue outside. When they ask for their Mercedes, the valet delivers at a Los Angeles police department police cruiser. <laughs> I don't know how they got it, but hey, they got it. Retracing the steps, the trio travel to the hospital where they discover they were drugged by Rafadol? Well, it's Rufi's. You know what a Rufi is? I took Rufi's, man. <laughs> 20 years ago, 15, maybe. Don't do it, kids. But uh, I think I went to Bush Gardens with a couple friends of mine. We did that, put it in our. We didn't, we weren't doing liquor, but I, no, I think it was beer. Might have been beer. And we did that. We went to Bush Gardens. And whew, I just say it was good times. It was good times. Anyway, causing their memory loss, they went to the hospital from a chapel from the previous night. At the chapel, they learned that Stu married an escort named Jada. It's Heather Graham. And um, big Heather Graham fan. She was, she was in Swingers. I believe she was in Entourage as well. She's done some other projects as well, but I'm a big fan of hers. She's always, she's aged very well. And um, I always remember her. She was the girl in Swingers and the girl that basically John Favreau got the number at the end of the movie. If you ever watched that movie, Favreau's whole thing was like he was trying to get over a relationship. And he just kept striking out like just, you know, everybody's convincing him to just change and just do this. And you got the number, do that. You'll get the number. And eventually towards the end, he just said, you know, screw it. I'm just going to do it my way. And, you know, he scored the number with Heather Graham. It was good stuff. Good stuff. Despite being a lonesome relationship with his domineering, palandering girlfriend, Melissa, which is Rachel Harris, which, by the way, when I rewatched this movie, like I said, I did not recognize that was Rachel Harris because Rachel Harris, you know, on, on Lucifer, she is the almost the conscience and the soul of that show that, you know, basically they, they go to her for everything. Eventually in later seasons, she developed, you know, other stuff. I don't want to spoil it if you guys haven't watched it, but she's a really good character, kind of like almost like the background of that show. And just to see her without the glasses and just being the bitchy girlfriend just kind of threw me off. 
Outside the chapel, the trio is attacked by gangsters demanding to know where is where is he? The bewildered, they flee and track down Jade, the mother of the baby. Excuse me. Then they are arrested by the police. Driving stolen police cover. Duh, if you're going to have that, of course you're going to get arrested. After being told that the Mercedes was impounded, the trio are released when they are unwittingly volunteered to be targets for a taser demonstration. <laughs> oh, while driving the Mercedes, they discover a naked Chinese man named Mr. Chow in the trunk who beats the trio with a crowbar and flees. Alan confesses that he drugged their drinks to ensure they had a good night, believing the drug to be ecstasy. Hey, man, sometimes you just got friends like that who want to have a good time, especially at a bachelor party. I think Mike has talked a couple times of his bachelor parties, endeavors. So his heart was in the right place. Just took, you know, the the wrong drug. You know, next time you use weed, that'd be be my... um, That'd be my suggestion to you guys. Then they are arrested by the police for having stole. Oh, oh, sorry, guys. I just missed a line. I need to do this a little bit. Okay, I got it. Return to their suite. They find Mike Tyson who knocks. I do one of the best cameos in this movie is Mike Tyson being in there. Hysterical. Apparently the bangle was his and just, you know, you never seen. I think you've seen Tyson in a couple of movies, but in this movie, he just plays himself but more relaxed, more chillaxed. And it was very well done. And orders him to return his tiger to the mansion. Stu drugs it. They load it onto the Mercedes and drive to Tyson's mansion. However, the tiger, the tiger awakens midway and attacks them, clawing Phil on the neck and damaging the car's interior. They push the car the rest of the way to the mansion and successfully deliver the tiger to Tyson who shows some security footage indicating that they didn't lose Doug until they got back to the hotel. While driving back, the car is run by that black Cadillac Escalade. Because Escalades are always driven by gangsters. Hmm. Manned by the gangsters from the chapel and Chow, who is their boss. God, he's so good in this film. Um, Trying to think what Kim Jong has been on like so many things. I think he was in the office, but he always stands out. Like any movie, he makes a cameo in. I think he was in. I feel like Kim was. He was in in Endgame too. He played the security cop when um Scott Lang had just escaped the quantum realm. He's there. He's a security guard. If you don't catch the cameo, Chow accuses them of kidnapping him and stealing eighty thousand dollars in poker chips. As they deny it, he tells them he has dug and threatens to kill him. If it is not returned, if he's not returned, $80,000 chips. Unable to find Chow chips, Alan, with the help from Stu and Jade, uses his knowledge of card counting to an $82,000 playing blackjack. And what a great little scene that is. I mean, there's many great scenes in this movie. I haven't seen it. But like to me, one of the best parts is you see Alan going in there and almost like Rain Man like if you watch Rain Man great movie Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman but he's very Rain Man he goes in there just with the suit and you see the montage playing in a um like it was a band that was playing the song it was called it was, the band was called Wolf Mother and they were playing Woman 
And they sound very Zeppelin-esque, but it was cool. You see the chips flowing in the montage back and forth as he's playing and winning all this money. And then it's, he wins $82,000 back playing back tech. So good scene. Good scene, by the way. The next morning, they meet Chow in the Mojave Desert to exchange the chips for Doug. I wanted to find out that Doug in question is actually the drug dealer who sold the roofies to Alan the previous night. And that was played by Mike Epps. Mike Epps has been in tons of stuff. With the real Doug's wedding set to occur in a five-hour, Phil calls Tracy to tell her they can't find him. Simultaneously, the other Doug remarks that someone who takes roofies is more than likely to end up on the floor than on the roof. Bingo. Stu suddenly realizes where Doug is, interrupting Phil before he can reveal Doug's disappearance to Tracy. They travel back to Caesar's Palace, where they find a dazed and sunburned Doug on the roof, who they moved there on his mattress the previous night as a practical joke. That was a really cool stuff. Like, I didn't even catch that in the beginning. When you see that impaled mattress, I'm like, how the hell did that shit get up there? Like, I had no idea. I'm like, and like, it was one of those things. And they, it's, it's kind of like a plot device almost they bring throughout the movies. It's like, you know, they short the beginning and they don't bring it back until the end. And when you bring it back, you're like, oh, okay. Now I understand what happened. Uh, uh, where am I? Okay. Before leaving, Stu makes arrangements to meet Jade for a date the following week. Good. Because Rachel Harris was a biatch in this movie. With no flights available, the four drive home in a mangled Mercedes. Despite their later arrival, Doug and Tracy are married at the wedding. Stu finally stands up for himself and breaks up with Melissa. Alan finds Stu's digital camera containing photos of the debauchery from the night in Las Vegas. And the four agree to look at the pictures before deleting them. What a great way to end the movie. And basically the, that whole thing is like, I, I forgot what I think another movie did this. Not sure which one, but I've seen it being done before where basically they show. You know what had happened through photographs. I'm not sure if it was throughout the film or the end. I'm not sure. I have, I have to kind of research in my mind, see how it was. But they basically shows what they went through the night of the debauchery and it shows like the insanity. Like, oh, we didn't do all that. And they basically, yeah. They did do all that. <laughs> they did do all that. And it was fun stuff. So, guys, that is the hangover. A little, little you know, abbreviated review. You know, I'm sure I've had my care, but a little bit longer. But, you know, we got it in there. And I got to say, like, the first time I watched this movie, I freaking loved it. You know, I'll give it four to five straight jackets. It's not a perfect movie, but it it was funny. It was ahead of its time. They did a couple sequels, which were not as good. And then like if you look at a lot of films that came later on, they were basically just taking the formula of the hangover and using that in their films also going forward. So but like I said, it made four hundred and sixty seven million dollars on a thirty five million dollar budget. Of course, this is like one of the first times that Bradley Cooper has been, you know, front and centered. He went on to have like a mega career after this, doing tons of stuff. I really recently saw him at Nightmare Alley, which is a Del Toro film. Really good film. Not not the best Del Toro film, but a solid one you should check out. Ed Helms is still around. I think he's, oh, I think he's Ted Lasso. I haven't watched that show, but I believe he's doing Ted Lasso right now. I could be wrong. Somebody correct me on that. Zach is doing In Between Two Ferns. If you have not watched that, check that out. It is hysterical. 
And Justin Bertha, I don't, last I heard, he was doing some CBS sitcoms. He was a national treasure. If you saw that, the first two with Nick Cage, he was a sidekick. He was like the smart tech guy. And Heather Graham is always around doing some stuff. So, so if you guys just check that one out, that's two, that is 2009's The Hangover. Check us out on our Facebook page, the Years Asylum page on there. Check out Midnight Movies. Uh, we haven't done stuff on the main podcast yet. That is, we're undergoing some transformations there, doing some stuff, rethinking stuff. So we will have an update for, with that pretty soon. But check out the Facebook page for the updates. And as always, from Mike to me to you, happy St. Pat's Day and... Get to the asylum. See you soon, kids.